This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report podcast. So glad to be with you from Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. I'm Sean Kelly. We are all basketball today as there's so much to talk about, not only with the Pelicans, but the NBA in general. So we're going to spend both of our conversations talking about those things. And we start today, obviously, with a heavy heart after the passing, uh, the news of the passing of Rasul Butler and his wife, Leah tragically lost in a car accident early, early this morning. Of course, Rasul, a friend, uh, was also a New Orleans player from 05 to 09. And then, you know, I think he spent 13 years in the NBA as a gentleman and as a grinder and and such a good man and, and a delight to be around. There are so many of us in the NBA family here today that are deeply saddened with his loss. And uh, that's just another big piece of news here on this Wednesday for sure. Uh, we'll talk to Michael Lee about that and all the other big stories going on in the NBA right now, and obviously the Pelicans are involved in that. Michael is the senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. He'll join us a bit later. And David Wesley joins us today. It is a Wesley Wednesday. We have last night's loss to the Sacramento Kings to talk about these third-quarter problems that have been plaguing the Pelicans now and how things move forward for the Pelicans, not only through this weekend's road trip at Oklahoma City, Minneapolis, but perhaps even toward February 8th trade deadline, which moves not just for the Pelicans, but for a lot of teams in the NBA. So, tremendous amount of stuff to cover today, all of it on the basketball side. Uh, on Friday, we'll be talking Super Bowl, and Daniel Salerson will be the host of the Black and Blue Report podcast. And we'll also be talking about the Pelicans road trip that starts in OKC on Friday night. But first, let's get started with our guest today. After our first time out, we'll visit with David Wesley here on a Wesley Wednesday. And again, our special guest today, Michael Lee from Yahoo Sports. Stay with us. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Well, the New Orleans Pelicans will not practice today. They'll get back in it on the practice floor tomorrow before traveling to Oklahoma City for kind of a brutal back-to-back Thunder and then Timberwolves Friday and Saturday. And, of course, uh, we all know what the headlines have been this week for the Pelicans. 
And certainly uh, we'll turn to David Wesley as best we can to help us sort some of this out as he joins us on a, a Wesley Wednesday. Boy, what a, what a difference a week makes, David. We had a great visit there in Charlotte last Wednesday, and here our visit this week will be drastically different. Welcome in. Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot. It is a drastic difference, and uh, you know the Pelicans were were ascending uh, when we spoke a week ago, and um, you know looking to probably have one of their better seasons in the last six years. Um, had got that streak that that we had talked about early in the season. You know, seven out of ten, eight out of eleven, nine out of twelve, whatever, and really had a chance to go on like an eight or nine game win streak if they had beat Atlanta. So um, a good run, positive run, um, and then the injury. Wow. Incredibly different. There's no doubt they've lost now two games since the injury on Friday night. David, there are some pundits out there that would say that the Pelicans season is over. The Pelicans and their head coach have said they're not dead. Um, Which side do you fall on at this point? Well, there has to be an understanding of of what you do and what you do well and what works. Because, obviously, both games they've had double-digit leads. They can't sustain it. They do things, they start playing different. They've lost nine straight third quarters, either tied or I think they tied two of the nine. But they haven't won a third quarter since Portland. And that was 27-25. It's not that they can't. It's not that they're not capable. It's a focus. And can they get that? Can they figure that out? They, their their margin for error just went, you know, just got really small. And they can't do some of the things they that they've done early in the season that were negative, like come out slow third quarters and turn the basketball over. And their shot selection has to be much better. I mean, last night, Drew Holiday, and this is not to call him out by no means. Drew Holiday, with, what, 15 seconds left to go um, in the half, shoots with like seven seconds and gives um, Buddy Hill a chance to run down the court and get a really good look. He missed it, but, like, that management of the clock, management of the time. Uh, I think Jameer Nelson took a took a, a shot, step back three, and he hit some early ones, but, you know, time of possession and, and time of game and score and all clock, all that plays a part in shots, or it did in my era. Maybe it's just not that way anymore, and I, and I think that's what they have to think about moving forward if they're going to – to keep their spot in this playoff run and, and, and possibly hang on to it. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't think it's it's something that was unique to your era. Uh, isn't Just kind of backing up what you just said, you're going to have to do some other things better than anyone else without, you know, obviously the production that Cousins gave you. Is, is playing smarter as, is, as important as anything else? Uh, playing smarter is as important. Um, and the thing that, the worst thing I think you can say about a player or teams is that they don't play hard for the full time. And offensive rebounds, those are those are pretty much effort plays. You have to go get them. 
Now, some teams say we're not going to worry about offensive rebounds because we're going to get back. But I, I've never heard a team not send one guy to the offensive rebound or two to offensive rebound. To go a game and not have any second chance, not, not one, you had two offensive rebounds for 48 minutes. That's effort. And if you're not getting those effort plays, where's your – where's this team's junkyard dog, Tasmanian devil? Where's this guy that just goes in there and just changes the whole, you know, the whole look of the game just by his effort and energy? The Pelicans don't seem to have one of those guys. And so you don't get that, 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 that shot of adrenaline – when the crowd isn't very, you know, big or, you know, the, the, the game isn't very big, it's not a rah-rah, you know, a lot of atmosphere, you need the junkyard dog to go out there and create that. It doesn't happen enough. Yeah, 26 nothing a second chance last night was pretty remarkable, something I'd never seen before. Um, David, is this team, as it's constructed, what we'll see here following February 8th, or do you anticipate them making a move, and, and what kind of move do you think they need to make? You know, they, I, you know, I, I, I look at, you know, defensively, how can they get better defensively? Um, what they were doing, not playing great defense, but better defense. Um, they were surviving when Cousins was there. You know, do you bring in somebody that can replace Cousins, which is impossible. So do you bring in a shooter? Does that help your team? That's why, you know, when you talk about being a GM and everybody sits back on the couch and says, yeah, I want Steph Curry. Well, no kidding. That's easy, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> Trying to figure out who's available, who to go after is, is not always easy. How does he fit? You know, the, the, the Miritich conversation while you get him, you hope to get him off the books after this year so that you can make some moves in the summer. He wants his $12 million for next year. And that makes everything kind of sticky. So um, I don't really know. I, 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 I like the Miritich uh, thing. I, I don't love it. Uh, I think he helps shooting-wise, but he, he doesn't defend. Uh, he's a bigger guy. He's, he pretty much um, – is AD's position, so it's okay. Uh, if there's a nice three out there, you know, I've always liked Tobias Harris, but he was just traded to the Clippers. Um, you know, I just – I don't really know. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss when it comes to this team because I still think that there's enough out there to win games like the Clippers and Sacramento and – when you talk about margin of error, those two teams you got to beat. You got to win those two games. Give yourself some confidence. Keep the ball kind of rolling in the right direction. Uh, and now you're about to go on the road for two really tough ones, being OKC on the road and on a back-to-back in Minnesota where it's cold. Unique travel situation and a Minnesota team. So. We shall see. Yeah. Hey, let's let's end on this, and that and that is, I guess, in some ways, a, a chance to wrap up our conversation today. And 
unfortunately you've you know you've dropped these two and, and most recently to Sacramento which you just just is not acceptable by anybody's measure but David you know this having played you know this just being in a situation where a team loses a player to injury a significant player in that there's we all knew there was going to be some kind of a hangover right or or even just yeah. an adjustment period past the morning of you know this guy's uh, unfortunate circumstance um, how long does that typically last what is what is normal and what is you know what would be extraordinary for them to fight through well i, I you know I, I think it's you know i don't think it's it's that simple um i, I don't think you know, it depends on the makeup of your team. It depends on, you know, how you were playing. Cousins handled the ball a lot. Now somebody else has to do it. Um, but they had they had two teams that came in here with 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 leads that hangover or not. I feel like those are wins that you you, you have to get. Um, and and I just keep thinking they did so much good work to get to four or five games over 500, and now you don't want to give them all back in the in a week. You, you want to you know you know maybe play 500 basketball for a while as you as you figure out how to play. There's got to be games out there you just win because you're better. Those are the two games they just played. They were better than those teams. And they don't win them. So how long does this last? I'm I'm not sure. In in some situations, you play a bad game and then you get right back to it. You figure it out and then you grind. You hover around 500 maybe until you do figure it out. Um, and hopefully they can they can change this around quickly because you know if they lose these two on the road, which is going to be two tough games. Um, they've pretty much given back all their hard work, and now they're fighting to stay above, you know, the 500 once again where they've been most of the season. Yep, yep. No, there's never anything boring about this team. That's for sure. No. We'll be engaged to see what they do this weekend. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, David, pack your warm clothes. We're off to the uh, Arctic North all over again, and I appreciate it today. Yep, thanks a lot. Um uh, you know, I I, ho- I wish the best for this. You know, I feel bad for Cousins, his first uh, starting as an all-star. I feel bad for Cousins, his first possible chance to play in a playoff game. And then, uh, you know, obviously the injury, which is, you know, no short task. So, um, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, you know, I, I have that confidence in this team when I see them out there and they're playing well and they're doing the right things. And then, of course, they stop, and it, it's the weird thing. So. But thanks a lot. Been a good Wednesday. Yep, no doubt. Every Wesley Wednesday is different, that's for sure. All right, David, yeah. thank you very much. We'll catch David, of course, on Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers and Jen Hale this weekend from Oklahoma City and from Minneapolis. Stay with us. More to come on this Black and Blue Report right after this. What is Squad 6? Squad 6 is every six-man, woman, and child who comes up clutch every time when the game is on the line. They are our full-season ticket holders, an extension of our players, on the court, offering support from the tip-off to the final buzzer. Our full-season ticket holders are more than fans in the stands. 
They keep the team in flight all day and all night. They are part of the team, and we treat them right. Day in and day out, they give us their all, so we give them ours, on and off the court. Squad 6 members fly first class, no questions asked. Only the most dedicated, most celebrated, never decimated fans can call themselves Squad 6 members. Can you? To get off the bench and join Squad 6, visit pelicans.com or call 504-525-HOOP. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned at the top, it is a tremendously busy time right now in the NBA. These were supposed to be the kind of the dog days of the season, but it seems deadly now we're getting just massive stories across the association. Unfortunately, the tragic one today, obviously, with the passing of Rasul Butler and his wife Leah in a car accident, the former NBA player, uh, passed away, they say, somewhere around 2 a.m. Uh, in an accident on Studio City, California. Uh, with thoughts on that and so many of the other stories going on in the NBA, we're pleased to welcome in Michael Lee, senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. Michael, I hate starting our conversation this this way, but so many in the NBA family were just stunned by that news of Rasul Butler and Leah today. Yeah, I mean, I, I was too. I mean, I, when I saw it, it came up on my Twitter feed, I had to, like, scroll multiple places to make sure that it was right because it just didn't seem right. I mean, he's still young. I mean, uh, you know, once your career is over, you're pretty much in the prime of your life. And uh, he was just starting, you know, um, you know, his, his post-basketball career. And I had a chance to be around him for the one season he was in Washington. And he was always a really upbeat guy. He was really cool. And he was thoughtful. Um, you know, you asked for, you asked to speak to him. He would always be accommodating and he would give you the time you needed, and he would just be respectful. And he was just a good guy. He's clearly a good locker room guy, and I still think that probably the most amazing thing about him is that, you know, when people thought his career was over when he was at age 32, you know, he went to the D League. He fought to get his way back into the league, and he wound up playing for three more teams. So I just think that he had a lot of resilience. He was a, a lot of heart. And he was just a good guy to be around, and, uh, and he will be missed. So you can tell that the love that's going around from players around the league, you know, expressing their, their sympathies. Um, he was a guy who, uh, who touched a lot of people. Yep, and he carried that Philly background with pride, didn't he? He just Absolutely. he made sure that Philly was always known that it, that was his home. Yeah, you, you, you knew exactly where he was from. <laughs> Michael Lee, you carry uh, you co- obviously that's the story with the most human significance here on this Wednesday. Um, you know, you cover the NBA at a national level. You must be scrambling right now with the number of stories out there across the NBA, and and maybe the slew of injuries here in the last four or five days just might top your list. You know, other than obviously, you know, our thoughts about Rasul and that tragic situation. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like every day there's something, and if you don't react to it right away, there's something new um, that's coming on the table. Like, uh, you know, the minute that Blake Griffin was traded from uh, Los Angeles to Detroit, you know, had to write up a quick reaction. And then, uh, you know, then the, wake up the next morning and you realize John Wall is going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. And you wait a little while. I waited a little while to write a column. And by the time it, it went up, Kevin Love had broken his hand. So <laughs> it's like there's always something new. And, and then by the time you digested the fact that uh, Kevin Love broke his hand, James Harden had a 60-point triple-double. So, uh, the NBA just keeps on coming with something new uh, to, to, that you can talk about. 
but the injuries have definitely been something that have just been a is disappointing part of the game. Uh, it's something that from day one, you know, opening night, you know, Gordon Hayward goes down with a, a broken ankle, and you know, Boston has been able to you know recover and and still have the top best record in the Eastern Conference even without him. Um, but like it started off with kind of ominously, and you know, sort of carried on to right now to where you see, unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins go down for the season with an Achilles injury. Uh, and like, like I just said about John Wall and, and Kevin Love, really shaking up the Eastern Conference. Um, the only thing that you have to wonder is like with DeMarcus, John Wall, and Kevin Love, they're all members of uh, Team LeBron. And you got to wonder if Team LeBron is already cursed before the All-Star game. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I thought about that earlier today, and I didn't want to say anything, so there you go. You threw it out there for me. <laughs> it's interesting. You, you know, you mentioned it that it all started back at the start with Gordon Hayward. Michael, if, if you're Washington or, or you're New Orleans, maybe even Cleveland to some extent, what can you what the, can these teams learn from the Boston Celtics about the way they've gone about their season since the injury to Hayward? And, you know, one of their, obviously, their signature pieces, as each of them now are going to do without, and especially in New Orleans' case, for the remainder of the year with Cousins. Well, the one thing that all three teams can say is that um, how, how many teams in the league had two All-Stars? Yeah, Golden State had four, obviously. Um, Minnesota had two. Um, and then New Orleans had two. Washington had two. Cleveland had two. So the teams that are hurting right now still have – talent. They still have an all-star um, that they can put a lean on to kind of help them, you know, through, you know, a really difficult period. Um, you know, obviously uh, the Pelicans probably will need to make another move, um, you know, to, to shore up their, their lineup uh, in the absence of DeMarcus Cousins because he gave them so much. I mean, he was having such an incredible season, just putting up monster numbers yeah, that, you know, 40-20, you know, uh, you know, 40-20 game just recently that, you know, kind of blew everybody away. And um, he was just having this, an incredible year that you sort of have to give credit to um, being around another superstar player. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, people wonder why, you know, players like to team up with other guys, other elite talents. Um, a lot of times it's because when you're around those guys and you see them put in that work every day, it pushes you to be better. It's one of the reasons why you, every time – you see a player, you know, participate in Team USA, they usually have a career year right after that or they wind up winning the MVP because you're just around the best and being around the best makes you better. Uh, but to answer your question about, you know, using Boston as an example, um, it's tough because every situation is different. Boston was fortunate that even though they lost Gordon Hayward, they had our rookie and Jason Tatum who was ready to play. And I don't think anybody knew how ready he was. But that first game, he proved that he could handle a lot more than even Boston was probably prepared to give him. And he also had Jalen Brown, a guy who was groomed, um, you know, the previous year uh, to play in big moments and was just waiting for his opportunity. So you had a number of guys who were, you know, placed in positions that they probably weren't expected to be in, but they stepped up and they thrive. It's always that next man up mentality. And most of the time it's easier said than done because you can't replace or duplicate what elite talent can give you. You can only hope that something like that happens. 
And um, you know, I think it's going to be difficult, uh, but you kind of hope that your stars can step up and you kind of hope that the guys who are going to fill those holes, they can they can do it as well. Because, you know, we're talking about injuries. We forget to mention Kawhi Leonard. Because <laughs> when you look at the San Antonio Spurs, that's the team that's proven over time that it doesn't matter who they have in their lineup, it doesn't matter which all-stars aren't in their lineup, they still find a way to compete and win. And a lot of it has to do with confidence, the system, and just uh, a belief that you know you you have you're put on the floor that you can contribute. And I think that's kind of the attitude that anybody on any of those teams when they get this opportunity now, they have to believe that they're they're there for a reason and not just to fill a gap. Good point. Good point. Michael Lee with us here from Yahoo Sports. Michael, you mentioned the Blake Griffin trade that you know Detroit goes after to try and pair up somebody with with Andre Drummond. Um, you know, obviously the Clippers situation impacts the Western Conference playoff race. What are you hearing out of Los Angeles as to what the end game he- here is for the Los Angeles Clippers? Well, it, it seems like they're, they're hitting the reset button um, with the hopes of trying to build a championship team. You know, they have a brand-new front office uh, that took over last summer with uh, Jerry West kind of leading the way and Lawrence Frank. And they added some other guys from uh, Oklahoma City. And, you know, so they have a, a brand-new, fresh outlook on what the Clippers need to do, you know, after, you know, a, a kind of a, a failed run with uh, the, the Lob City era. And I think that, you know, now they're just kind of deciding that if this run is over, let's try to, you know, really focus on our future. And when you look at Jerry West, he's a guy that's never been afraid to just – do whatever needs to be done to to fill the contender, and I guess they feel like they got an owner in Steve Ballmer who's got money to burn. Uh, they got a, a excellent basketball mind in Jerry West, and uh, they have the city of Los Angeles um, as a, as a lure to try to attract prime free agents. Um, I think that they, there's talk that they want to chase LeBron this summer. I don't know if that's uh, a realistic goal. But I do know that in 2019, that that free agent class that could have Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, um, Kawhi Leonard, um, that's sort of what I think is what they're trying to sell their fan base that, you know, yeah, we, we took a step back. We traded away the guy who made our franchise relevant. But in, you know, a year or two, we're going to be able to attract a couple of, you know, major big time free agents and we can start building towards becoming a, uh, a champion as opposed to a team that's just going to make it to the playoffs, you know, entertain us with a couple of dunks and then go out in the second round or sooner. So I think that it was just, they just, it was time to start over. They felt like that Blake's injury in November was sort of the time to really start looking at, at going a different direction because his injuries were always, they always seemed to hold up or limit um, what the Clippers could be. So I think that it was just more of a starting over. You think they're going to, I would assume that they're going to try to aggressively uh, sell off the top talents like DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams and just clear up all the cap space possible, get as many draft picks possible, um, and hope that Jerry West will strike on the draft and that they'll be able to lure the big names uh, to come play in Los Angeles, even though the Lakers are there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, they're always going to be up against that. Hey, Michael, crystal yeah. ball time. Pull it out. Look into it here. Um, if you had to 
If you had to predict here, what's the next big thing? And if it's between now and February 8th, I get it. Um, if not, go bigger. And um, give me an idea of what you're keeping your eye on most now. Well, obviously the trade deadline is coming up uh, February 8th, and that's something that everybody is sort of either on edge about, excited about, um, <laughs> scared about. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to look at teams that have, you know, expiring deals, players who uh, probably aren't likely to return. Um, you're going to look at teams like the Pelicans who, um, you know, have lost a huge piece of their, um, you know, playoff hopes, and they're going to try to do something to, to fortify um, their roster in, in the absence of him. I mean, you got to look at Cleveland, I think. You know, they've been rumored to be looking to make a deal even before Kevin Love went down, but now you assume that they're going to probably maybe not focus on maybe guard help. Maybe they'll try to find a forward. You know, the name, there's names like Derek Favors out there, you know, players who, you know, might be, you know, floating around around a trade deadline. It's like it's likely he'll return to Utah. Um, you know, it might be a, a situation where he gets a chance to, to play for something and, and be in the playoff race. Um, so I, I think the trade deadline is, is number one, the thing that, that we want to keep an eye on. But the second thing I want to keep an eye on is um, the MVP race and seeing just what James Harden does to um, sort of cement his argument because he's sort of been the bridesmaid the last or two of the last three years. And, um, but he's sort of <laughs> separating himself in a major way when you get a 50-point triple-double and you look at the way the Rockets are playing this year. Um, I'm interested to see what Harden does and uh, also interested to see what uh, Russell Westbrook does uh, as, as a reigning MVP if he's able to get his name back up in that conversation and help the Oklahoma City Thunder possibly rise to a home court advantage in, in the first round. All good things to watch. You're right about that. It's going to be fun, fun coming up here all across the NBA. Michael Lee, keep up the good work. And uh, and folks should know you're a great follow on Twitter, and I do love uh, seeing your tweets about the league as you progress. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. There he goes. That's Michael Lee, senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. He's right. Boy, there's a lot of stuff that could happen and probably will happen <laughs> and unpredictably will happen here not only in the coming days, but as we get around the All-Star break and head for what we'll call the, the playoff season, which will begin with that stretch run. Most teams will be right around 30 games left or so when we get past the All-Star break. Good stuff today. Great basketball talk. Again, thanks to Michael and David Wesley, too, and to you for being with us on this Wednesday. We'll look forward to you on Friday right back here on this Black and Blue Report podcast. Daniel Salerson again is your host. We'll be talking the Pelicans road trip and Super Bowl 52 from Minneapolis. All that's yours on Friday. Until then, don't forget the Alvin Gentry Show tomorrow night on the radio. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. I'm Sean Kelly. This is the Black and Blue Report.